Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Uh, There's this phrase that I've been thinking about for the past few days. Um, And it's a phrase the Israelite prophets used. Um, And it is, they say peace, peace, when there is no peace. Or some variation of that. Uh, Jeremiah said it a couple times. Ezekiel said it a few times. Micah said something similar. It's something that comes up. They say peace, peace, when there is no peace. And the context of all those verses are similar, right? Primarily, they're about prophets and priests, they're really all, all the leaders that call for peace. But whenever they call for peace, what they're really saying is, follow my agenda. Follow my agenda. And when, when they say peace, they mean, let's avoid all the serious problems that we have. When they say peace, they mean, let's ignore difference, even difference that may lead to the oppression of peoples. When they say peace, what they really mean is, let's forget that God matters and things things matters. And I've been thinking a lot about this um, because I've been thinking a lot about this. um, I've been thinking about a class I took in college. um, And and this is actually the class where I met my wife, Alyssa. um, But that's not why I've been thinking about it. Um, And so that has nothing to do with the story. I just, that's where I met my wife. Um, And this class was uh, called Peace Rhetoric. Peace Rhetoric. Um, it was a study of literature and media around the ideas of peace and war. And, and, and to put this into context, I took this class in the spring of 2002. So just about four months after uh, September 11th, right, because the spring semester starts in January. Um, and so there was a lot of talk about war going on, right, about the conflict in Afghanistan. And there was talk about invasion of Iraq, which eventually happened in 2003. So it was a very timely and relevant class. And as many of you know, I come from a military family. My dad was an army ranger. Uh, My grandfather was in the Navy um, right the last couple months of World War II. And then he decided after World War II, he didn't like the Navy. And so he joined the army and served in Korea. Um, And my great uncle or great grandfather, depending on the family gossip, he served in the Calvary in World War I. Um, I am the first male family member that did not serve in the military for generations. Um, and that's partly because I was ineligible because when I was young, I burned my legs and, um, and I couldn't walk for a couple years while I recovered. But more importantly, after I became a Christian, I started reading the Bible and I decided I was going to be a pacifist. I didn't believe in violence. And so in this time of heightened war rhetoric, I took a class on peace so I can better engage the, 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 the warring culture that I was surrounded with. And I have to say, that was a total mistake. <laughs> um, it was one of the worst classes I have ever taken. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, I found the readings just unpersuasive and ill thought out. It was poorly constructed. And um, what really pushed things over uh, for me, just over the edge, was this conference that I was at went to for extra credit. Um, The professor that designed the class encouraged students to go to certain events to earn extra credit. And there was one event. It was a conference in Salem, Oregon, which is about 300 miles from uh, Pullman, uh, Washington, where I went to college. 
and she gave a ton of extra credit for it. So much extra credit that I realized, and I did the math, that I could go to that conference and not do any other work for the class except for the group projects and still get an A. <laughs> um, I mean, I thought to do the group projects. So, um, and that's the sign of a poorly designed class. Um, so, uh, and I say that as a teacher. Um, so, of course, I went to this conference. <laughs> um, and it was something, it was a peace conference. Uh, and I don't even know how to describe it. Because, um, yes, there were some discussions about tensions from Iraq, right? This is 2002. And so it was still before the, Gulf, the second Gulf War. And there was talk about what's happening in Afghanistan and Pakistan. But there's also a lot of talk about the prison industrial complex. Okay, yeah. And human sexuality. Okay. And fluoride and drinking water. Okay. And hallucinogenic advocacy. Okay. And the importance of switching to a lunar calendar so that we have 13 months instead of 12. Um, and there were just other things that were just so ridiculous. I can't even remember it. <laughs> like, it was just like, what? Um, and all of these things were gathered together under the idea of peace. <laughs> and I, I remember, I remember talking to the guy that was trying to convince people that we needed to switch to a 13-month calendar. And, you know, I was like, okay, let's say I'm convinced. Yes, 13-month lunar calendar, let's all do it. Um, because really, I don't care. But um, what does any of this have to do with peace? I just didn't get it. And of course, his answer was, you know, well, if we switch to that, we'd be more in touch with the natural worlds and natural rhythms. But that still didn't answer the question. And um, honestly, this whole experience with that class had pretty much destroyed any desire I had for the world of peace studies. Um, and and I'm, I'm a nerd. Like, I love to learn things, just like weird esoteric things. And so for me to say this class killed my desire for more knowledge on the subject um, is saying quite a bit. <laughs> um, because really... What I came away with was, to many of the presenters of the conference, peace meant agreement with their agenda, whatever that agenda happened to be. Um, they said, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now, since then, I've read a lot more about peace from a Christian perspective, and that there is a robust historical, theologically, theological, and biblically sound perspectives on peace and pacifism from believers throughout the agenda. And though I wouldn't necessarily call myself a pacifist anymore, I still lean pretty strongly in that direction. Because I firmly believe that peace is ultimately about Jesus. In Isaiah 9, the prophet, um, actually, which was shared today, even I think Curtis read a little bit of that. Isaiah tells of the coming Prince of Peace, whose peace will never end. And in John 14, Jesus tells his disciples, to not be afraid of his coming crucifixion because he has given them his peace. And through the Holy Spirit, they will be sustained throughout all the troubles that they will experience. And then again, in John 16, he reminds them that he has taught them so that in this world of tur turmoil, they will be able to rest in his peace. And in Ephesians 2, Jesus is called the peace that brings down the walls of hostilities between the Israelites and the Gentiles making all of humanity one people, his people, under the access, with access to God. Right, church, Jesus is peace. Jesus is peace. And peace means wholeness. It means rightness. It means harmony with the way things 
um, were created and the way things are meant to be. It means working together with those around you to encourage and strengthen one another so that we can do more than we could ever do alone. And Jesus is our peace. And without him, we are lost. Now, this is all just an overly long introduction to the main scripture today, um, which is the Old Testament lectionary text um, by Isaiah 40. We read a little bit of it earlier, um, verses 1 through 11. But I wanted to make sure that we we're first anchored in Jesus, that Jesus is peace, that in Jesus is peace. So with that, let's go ahead and read Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly towards Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what should I cry? All people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, and go up on the high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Now, there are a few things I'd like to point out in this passage. The first thing I would like to point out is that peace involves dealing with sin. Okay, you have to actually deal with sin. Uh, verse 2, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. We cannot ignore sin. We cannot ignore the sin in our lives and the sin in the world. Because sin destroys. It consumes us. It does not give life. It takes it. It uses up. And whenever I talk about sin, I always feel like I have to give a definition. Because I don't want to be unclear about what I mean. Right? Sin is anything in thought, word, and deed contrary to the will of God. Okay? It is anti-creation. Um, as I said last week, we are bystanders of sin, victims of sin, and perpetrators of sin. All right? It's all around us and in us. It is personal and it is corporate. It is out there and it's in here. Right? And any peace, any true lasting peace must deal with sin. And if sin is anything in thought, word, and deed contrary to the will of God... then this passage, in which sin is dealt with, offers a different view of creation, one that becomes in harmony with God and God's design. Because the prophet, he offers hope, right? He calls for a time when that sin that drives us away from God is dealt with. The distance between a holy God and his wayward creation 
is bridged and the debt is paid, we are no longer separated from God. And that happens through Jesus, right? God in flesh, Emmanuel. No amount of punishment, no amount of shame, no amount of suffering will ever appease sin, okay? We cannot guilt our way to sin. We cannot be so ashamed of what we've done that it will save us. Because sin will always demand more than what we can do. But Jesus is more. Jesus is more. His overflowing, abundant love restores all that sin takes away. Right? Jesus is more. He's greater than sin. And where there is no separation from God because of sin, there becomes intimacy with God. There's a closeness with God and with His creation. In fact, there's abundance because everything that sin destroyed is doubly restored. It's doubly restored. Those places of hurt, those places of anguish are healed to abundance. Okay, so they're stronger. Uh, the second thing I want to point out is that peace requires removing every obstacle that keeps people from seeing God. The roads are being made straight, mountains brought low, valleys raised up, rough terrain made smooth, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. Every obstacle that keeps people from seeing God is a threat to peace because God is for everyone. As creator, he's our common point of reference. He's our true north. Anything that prevents anyone from God has to be dealt with because all creation is designed for the glory of God, not to get in the way of God, okay? Not to block, block his heart's view of him. And so we need to put away things in our lives that interfere with the goodness of God being known. We need to ensure that we are not mountains or crooked roads, okay, that keep people from seeing God's glory. And sometimes we are, okay, sometimes we are. I, I admit it, I can be a jerk sometimes, all right? Um, hopefully, I don't stay one, but there are times when I can, I can just be bad. And hopefully, I apologize and try to repair the damage that I did, and I repent to God. But hopefully, that mountain of my sin is leveled so that God's glory can be seen. Shoot. This is true. Last night, last night I was driving uh, some kids around. Um, I was driving Asa and my son Zebi, and uh, for some reason, as I was driving, um, so we got a truck this summer, and uh, so I was driving this, this truck, I've been driving it, and the four-wheel drive just goes out. And I, I was trying to take people home, and uh, the kids home, and uh, I had never been to Asa's house before, and I took a wrong turn, and it was um, snowy and dark and slick, and I was trying to out how to get there, and um, Apple Maps was trying to move me up this hill, and so I, I was trying to go up the hill, my four-wheel drive went out, I can't make it. And so I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta back up. And so I'm trying to back down the hill, being careful, and trying to be to the side, and, uh, and so I lost my patience with my son for some childish shenanigans that he was doing, um, because I was scared, and I was nervous, and I was frustrated at my truck, and a bunch of other little things. And the sermon I had to find and finish. Um, so, uh, so I snapped at him. And, you know, but of course, you know, a little bit later, I have to apologize. Because I don't want my anger to be the things that my children remember about me. Right? I don't want them to ever say, if that's what being a Christian's like. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to be a mountain that blocks people from seeing Jesus. I don't want to be a mountain that blocks my children from being Jesus. I think uh, sometimes we forget that. 
we let ourselves be that. The third thing I want to point out is that everything fades. Everything but the word of the Lord. And just a hint, that word is Jesus. Okay, Jesus is the word of the Lord. And only in Jesus is life found eternal, right? Only in Jesus is the glory of the Lord revealed. Only in Jesus is sin destroyed. Only in Jesus is there peace. Only in Jesus is there wholeness. Only in Jesus is there reconciliation between peoples, creations, and the Creator. Only in Jesus is there peace. Everything else will wither and fade. And all of my best intentions and all of my attempts at peace, all of my attempts to be whole, will not last, will not be good enough. Everything that is not attached to him will fade. And I realize this more and more as I get older. So, you know, I'm 48. I know, you know, it gets harder to count as you get older. And so I've, I've lived in Anchorage now, you know, since I was like 14. And so now I'm noticing that buildings, I can remember when certain buildings in town were being built. And I drive by these buildings, I'm thinking, that's looking pretty run down. <laughs> okay, and that's concrete. <laughs> Okay, and uh, and I'm like, how is my flesh and bone holding up? You know, <laughs> my flesh and bone. Um, but everything that's not attached to Jesus is going to be destroyed. It's going to fade. It doesn't last. Church, this is the Advent season. It's a season of pre preparation, of getting ready. This is a time to prepare yourself for the coming of peace. Because we have to say, this world is not a peaceful place. Um, I have to say, this was actually really hard, hard for me to write because even just thinking about it, I got, kept on getting distracted by the news, right? And, uh, you know, the news in Israel and Palestine and Anchorage, college campuses, everything. Like, it just kept on, everything kept distracting me. And I didn't want to be, be somebody that would just say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. I wanted to mean, to mean it. Right? Because we got to take seriously, there are seriously things that need to be healed in our world. There are serious broken things that we don't, we, I don't know what to do with. Like, I wish, you know, I could come up with a plan that would, would fix homelessness in Anchorage. I hope that I get to be part of the solution. I'm trying to be. Not there yet, but I'm trying to be. Um, and I hope that I pray for peace in the Middle East. I pray for, I pray for Gaza. I pray for the people in Gaza. I pray for the people in Israel. It's horrible. And I, I don't have any easy answers. But I don't want to say peace, peace, when there isn't a peace. I want to say there is a peace. That peace is Jesus. And yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out yet. But I know that we are called to keep on working towards that peace that's coming. Because the Prince of Peace was born and he is coming to bring true peace. And I want to be ready. I want to prepare myself. I want to be engaged. I want to be someone who can bring good news to Zion, to go up on a high mountain, who can bring good news to Jerusalem. And I want to be able to lift my voice with a shout and lift it up and say, do not be afraid to the towns of Judah. Here is your God. See, the Sovereign Lord comes with power, and He rules with the mighty arm. His reward is with them, and His recompense accompanies them. He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers to the lands with His arm. He carries them close to His heart, and He gently leads those who have young. 
That's the peace I'm working for. That's the peace that I'm moving towards, that I'm trying to live in, in a world that does not believe in peace, in a world that is not peaceful. That's the peace I want to anchor myself to. And church, I pray at this time we can all do that, that we can anchor ourselves in a peace that is stronger than what we are. Let's pray. Holy Father God, Lord, we thank you that you are our peace, that you are our hope, that you are our joy, that you are our love. Lord, we know that every good thing comes from you. And Lord, we, t we bind ourselves to that. We tie ourselves to you, knowing that everything else will fade. But you are true. You are our true peace. Lord, I pray that we can give up all of our agendas, all of our agendas, except for you. Because there, nothing else will last. In Christ's name, amen.